you're seeking biblical wisdom and understanding in these difficult and trying times, and you recognize the power of God's Word to delve deep into the issues of the heart, then welcome to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney, husband, father, counselor, author, and teacher. Join us for Christ-centered, gospel-driven truth concerning our individual, marital, and parenting struggles. This is Biblical Counseling Today. Our first five children are all girls, conveniently spaced about two years apart, give or take a few months. I vividly remember many years ago the time when we were all sitting around the dinner table, all five girls and my wife and I celebrating the 10th birthday of Victoria, our oldest. In the Quasney home, the 10th birthday is a magical time for several reasons, but the most significant one is that bedtime changes. All under age 10 children went to bed at 7 p.m. When you turn 10, your bedtime changes to 8 p.m. Quite a big privilege that most children have long before ours did. So at this particular dinner gathering, I decided to trumpet the fact that Victoria was now allowed to stay up until 8 p.m. Almost immediately, my 8-year-old Alex looked up from her plate and declared in a whining tone, That's not fair. Very calmly, at least that's how I remember the event, I asked her, Why isn't that fair? This has always been the Quasney policy. What's the problem? Her reply, It's not fair that she gets an extra hour and I don't. At this point, I decided it was time to have a little fun and maybe even teach a lesson. So I said, you know, Alex has a good point. This rule isn't fair to her. So I have decided to decree that she can also stay up until 8 o'clock as well. Again, almost immediately, up pops the head of my six-year-old Emmeline, who up until this point seemed blissfully unaware of the entire conversation. But now she was dialed in. And yes, I kid you not, from out of her mouth came the complaint, that's not fair. Holding back laughter, I went on to have the same exact conversation with her as I did with my eight-year-old, ending with, Empeline makes an excellent point. I've decided she can stay up until 8 p.m. every night as well. Can you guess what happened next? Yes, my up-to-this-point oblivious four-year-old Olivia made the same exact whining declaration, that's not fair. Then chaos ensued with good old-fashioned bickering between all the girls. So much fun. Until I reversed all my fake news decisions and announced that only Victoria would be going to bed at 8 p.m. and all the other four were back to 7 p.m. bedtimes. Amidst the ongoing grumbling and complaining, we actually had a good talk about fairness, discontentedness, and what is at the heart of our complaining. So that's our topic for today. How do we address whining and complaining in our children biblically? And how do we get to the heart of the matter rather than settling for a simple behavior change or fake expressions of happiness? Let's begin with some preliminary truths about whining and complaining. Number one, by nature, we are all prone to whine and complain. All through the scriptures, we read stories of real human beings complaining against other people and about a variety of things. Most familiar to us is the corporate grumbling of the Israelites after they are delivered from 400 years of slavery to the Egyptians. 
it seems like with every step they took out of Egypt, they found something to complain about. From the lack of food, water, all the way to the poor leadership of Moses. It is always easy to relate to the Israelites, isn't it? Because we too can whine and complain about just about anything currently happening in our lives. Second, children are more inclined to whining and complaining for a variety of reasons. They are more immature and foolish. They are less able to use their words properly or express their emotions in biblical ways. They feel less in control of being able to get what they want, and they really are. They learn very quickly that whining and complaining often works with their parents, so the behavior is reinforced. And the list goes on. The bottom line, we should not be surprised that our children whine and complain. Third, whining and complaining is not just a girl thing or a boy thing. I must admit, when we just had girls, we were tempted to think that girls were bigger whiners than boys. I know, that sounds very sexist. And then we had friends that believed that boys were really much more whiny. Unless there's complaining and whining research out there I don't know about, it is impossible to know who whines more. And it really doesn't matter. Both boys and girls whine and complain, often in very different ways. Fourth, whining and complaining children must not be ignored. Some whiners and grumblers are impossible to ignore. But they don't need to be addressed simply because they are annoying. Whining and complaining are serious heart issues and sin patterns that must be disciplined. Our children need to know what they are really doing and learn to think and speak differently. And of course, they need real heart change. Whining and complaining always must be addressed. And it always is an opportunity to train them towards godly living. Okay, with those preliminary thoughts out of the way, let's consider the various sorts of whining and complaining that occur from child to parent and how to solve them. First, it's not fair. These were the words uttered by my daughters, of course, and by so many of our children when they perceive a lack of equity. For my girls, it was not fair that one of them had a later bedtime than all the rest. In their worldview, they should all have equal privilege, even though they weren't even the same age. Most of us bristle at the inequality and unfairness that goes on all around us. But is this complaint really accurate? Not really. The complaint of it's not fair from our children reveals several different problems that we need to address forcefully and clearly. First, much of the time, whatever is happening really is fair. In our bedtime situation, how is it not fair for an older child to have a better privilege based on age? A better argument is that it really isn't fair to keep on having the same bedtime as a six, four, or two-year-old. A child's view of fairness is always somewhat skewed. They tend to think something is unfair based on thinking everyone should have the same rights, privileges, and opportunities. They need to be taught what true fairness is all about and who defines it. Second, our children do need to learn that unfairness is a part of life in a fallen world. No, I don't think you just need to say, hey, get over it. Life's not fair. Depending on how old your child is, he or she needs to be lovingly told that inequity 
and inequality exists in this world because of our sinful hearts. There is bias, prejudice, favoritism all over the place due to human sin. Of course, this is especially the conversation to have when your child is complaining about true unfairness. If your child is a real victim of favoritism or bias or prejudice, they need to be comforted and encouraged to rest in God's love and sovereignty over the situation. Third, they need to learn to submit to authority. This will be true for just about any whining and complaining, right? If something feels unfair or is actually unfair, whining about it is an unbiblical response. The godly response is to make our complaint to the Lord and to trust in his resolution. Then there is also a proper respectful way to challenge authority, even our parental authority. My girls could have respectfully said, Dad, why does Victoria get to stay up later? We don't understand that policy of yours. Then after I have explained it to them, hopefully they submit to it and stop the whining about it. Fourth, Our children need to communicate their feelings in a proper way. In this case, I told my daughters that they should have said, I don't like this policy, or I wish I could also stay up later too. Teaching our children to speak in respectful I terms instead of you messages, because really they were telling me you aren't being fair, Dad, is essential. And in the right tone as well, so they learn that whining and complaining will not advance their cause in the least. We always need to give permission for our children to talk about how they're feeling, but they need to be trained to speak in respectful, honest ways, not in self-pitying, angry ways. Okay, let's move on to a second type of complaint. We'll call this the I don't want to complaint. This is just plain old disobedience that we discussed in a previous podcast. But let's address the whining side of it. The child who is told to clean his room and in a whining voice says, I don't want to clean my room. It's too hard. It's fine like it is. Of course, he needs to have consequences for his disobedience. But what about all that whining all the way to his room? First, he is communicating that he is the center of his own universe. I don't want to simply means I should be able to do what I want to and not do what I don't want to. Or, I should be king of my own universe. So show your child his drive, his lust to be king, to rule his world. Whatever age, he wants to be in charge and be his own personal dictator. Then you can tell him that he isn't his own king and what that says about the one true king of the universe You could say something like, why do you want to be king of your own world when you already have the best king available to you, King Jesus? Second, respond with understanding and compassion first, but firmly. I get that you don't want to clean your room. Chores are no fun at all, yet they are so important to do. Why do you think it's so important to clean your room? Hopefully, this will shift him out of whining mode, and you can possibly have a good teaching moment here. Now, let me be clear. This is not a negotiation. You are not trying to manipulate or bribe or beg in order to get him to clean his room. This is just dealing with the whining component of the current disobedience problem. 
You must be firm, but also empathetic. If you just shout at your child, stop whining and go clean your room, you don't give the opportunity for much more heart change, but only the stifling of bad behavior. Third, talk about the spiritual maturity it takes to be joyful even when doing hard things. You may only be able to have this conversation after the room is clean. But you want to take the opportunity to teach your child how to better respond when something is hard or boring or even just mundane. They need to find joy in serving the Lord in these times too. Of course, these feelings are natural, aren't they? Why wouldn't your child complain about having to clean his room or do laundry or clean the kitchen? Who really likes these tasks, especially when there's no perceived reward? You want your child to have a good work ethic as well as joy in the Lord while he works. Finally, challenge your child to control his tongue. Some of our children are just more verbal than others. I know I was, according to my mom. They are quick to let you know exactly what's on their minds. And when they have good thoughts, that's a good thing. But these types of children also need to learn not to speak especially when it is a whiny, self-centered complaint. Teaching self-control of the tongue is vital when the first instinct is to complain. They need to take a moment and remember that God calls them to obey their parents and honor them with their tongues in the process. We'll call our next form of whining and complaining, Why Do I Have To? Instead of just saying, I don't want to clean my room in a whining tone, a child may try to turn it into a whiny debate. Why do I have to clean my room now? Can I do it later? Why can't it just stay like it is and I just keep the door closed? So what needs to happen with this form of grumbling and complaining? First, recognize that you may have enabled this sort of debate and questioning of your authority. You may have engaged in this type of debate before by attempting to answer these questions that are really not legitimate questions. This is just your child's attempt to gain power over you and do things his way. The only way to extinguish this form of complaining is to not answer the questions. You may say something like, this is not up for debate or discussion. Go clean your room now or your consequence will be blank. You don't have to answer your child's illegitimate questions. Second, this sort of whining must also be labeled as disrespectful. It is questioning your authority, falsely accusing you of wrongdoing. So there may need to be an extra consequence for the disrespectful speech as well, especially if your child is not quick to apologize and see his own sin. You don't want to allow a chronic pattern of turning everything into a debate when there isn't a true complaint to be given here in the technical sense of the term. Finally, teach your child how to speak in statements instead of self-centered why questions. Just like I've already said, whining and complaining are teachable moments to train children to communicate their thoughts and feelings more biblically. Turning everything into a question is really making an accusation. Your child needs to see that he is just pointing the finger and making you statements. So again, you want to teach I statements. It's fine for your son to say, 
I would rather not clean my room now, as long as it isn't whiny, and as long as it comes with a possible alternative. May I clean it up after this show is over? Now, as I've already said, this is not some negotiation. But if done respectfully, a child can be given grace to have an alternative scenario. Never to get out of the work, but to offer a different way to accomplish it. You still have to maintain your authority in the process. A fourth type of whining and complaining, I want, I want, I want. This is the sort of whining that is the classic, give me, give me, give me. It is the whine of the demanding child, forcing her parent into submission. Your daughter is always begging for more toys when you go shopping or more time to watch TV or to stay up later at night. More, more, more is her mantra. So let's talk about how to confront this complaint biblically. First, your child needs less, not more. The demanding, insatiable heart needs more deprivation. You do know that you will never satisfy the child who wants more, right? As mean-spirited as it may sound, you need to make a concerted effort to find ways to give less, to say no more, to not give into demands. This is the heart that is prone to future addiction, believing always that more is better, with no sense of limits, no sense of moderation at all. Look for how you have inadvertently given too much and begin to curtail it. Second, teach your child about the process of addiction. No, I don't mean you tell your two-year-old that she is a future alcoholic or drug addict. But she needs to start hearing how hearts that want more all the time lack contentment that is only found in Christ and his blessings. This is the problem of discontentedness. Nothing is ever good enough. Ask your child, especially as he or she gets older, to think about things like, when are you ever content and satisfied? When is enough ever really enough? Show them what Scripture says about the joys of being content. Third, talk about what an other's focus looks like. This child usually only thinks in the category of what's best for me, me, me. So when does she start thinking about what others need or want? She has the gift of receiving instead of the gift of giving. How do we intentionally give our child the opportunity to give to others, to serve the truly needy? That's what this whiny child needs the most, to get outside of self and find the joy of serving others rather than serving self. Finally, teach them what they are saying about God. A heart that says more, more, more is a heart that believes that God is not doing a good enough job of supplying all my needs. Challenge them to listen to what they are saying. Do they really believe God isn't providing? Or do they believe they must complain in order to get God moving? Go straight to the heart of this longing for more. And even talk about how a good God doesn't give us everything we want. Why is that? A fifth type of whining and complaining is, you never, you always. This form of whining comes out typically when a child is angry at some decision that is made. You never let me go to my friend's house. You always say no when I ask for blank. 
This is a very bitter complaint, similar to the complaint that life is unfair. So here's just a few principles and tips to handle this complaining situation well. First, resist the impulse to debate the factual nature of the complaint. We all know that using never and always is not helpful and is always untruthful. But this is not the time to say something like, hey, that's not true. I just let you go to your friend's house three weeks ago. Or, I don't always say no. I told you yes plenty of times. This will get you nowhere with your child. Because your child is not speaking rationally in the first place, just emotionally. Trying to prove that always and never are not true won't help matters. He is just whining and complaining in a very angry way. Second, don't give in to the manipulation and guilt trip. This is not the place to give in and change your mind. Then your child has just learned what he needs to say to make you feel bad enough to change course. Stand firm and speak clearly that your decision is final. And third, address the disrespect as well as the poor communication. Again, the disrespectful child requires discipline. But your child also needs to learn to express himself properly. Getting rid of always and never statements go a long way towards healthy communication. Teach them to speak factually and to keep the complaint to the situation at hand. I really want to go to my friend's house. Could you reconsider? Not just speaking emotionally is hard for younger children as well as teenagers. You need to model it for them and train them how to speak in God-glorifying ways. So let's tackle just two more examples of whining and complaining. This one is, everyone else gets to. Yet another variation of, it's not fair whining. But this one demonstrates a preoccupation with what others have combined with the belief that I am somehow doing without. Everyone else gets to play video games every day. Everyone else gets to go to that party. So here are a few more principles to apply when you hear this complaint, typically from the mouth of your older child. First, recognize this is simple envy and jealousy that has taken root in the heart. Your child's complaining is an expression of either not wanting other people to have what they have or the desire to have the same or more than what others have. So this complaining is only symptomatic of a bigger heart problem. Use the opportunity to speak of the sins of envy and jealousy and what it does to a person's life. Comparing your situation to others is a normal temptation, but it's also a deadly sin. Help your child see how they are looking at the world, other people, and even God. Again, this is a symptom of discontentedness as well. Second, don't give in to the guilt of the comparison. It's tempting for us as parents to take our kids' complaints to heart. We could start to believe that maybe they are getting the shaft and aren't having the good life the rest of the kids out there are having. Now, if you and your spouse do a prayerful inventory and come to believe it's time to change some things and give your children more opportunities, that's fine. But hopefully not as a knee-jerk response to whining and complaining. 
as a Christian parent, you will never be able to keep up with all the other parents and what they are giving their children or allowing their kids to do, nor should you. Third, point them back to their loving, gracious, giving God. Do they really believe that God has shortchanged them and doesn't give them opportunities for good things? I know their complaint is against you, but redirect them over your head. Help them to see that they are really complaining against the goodness of God. Whining and complaining is always a poke in the eye to God and an insult on his goodness. Our children need to learn that their words mean things, and they are the fruit of hearts that have rejected God's grace and denied his goodness. Of course, if they are yet to put their faith in Jesus, they cannot see and believe that God really loves them and is always good to them. Now here's the last form of whining and complaining. My life stinks. Yes, this is the complaint of complaints, the wine above all wines, the overall chronic state of the heart that virtually complains about everything. We find this mainly in older children and teenagers where nothing ever seems to go right in their life. God is against them. Everyone else is against them too. They are total losers. So where do we go with this complaint? Well, in some ways, we need to just use the principles of the other six. But let's get more specific. First, recognize the total lack of contentment. The discontented heart finds no joy in even the good things in life. Talk to your child about the fact that contentment is a spiritual state of the heart that rests in God's love and care for us. It is not gained by everything going right in my life. This will take the work of the Holy Spirit in your child's life. In some ways, there is not a whole lot you can say that will help at this point. You can't even be overly positive telling him or her how great everything really is. Looking with eyes of unbelief, there'll be no convincing. Second, direct your child to make specific, honest complaints. No, I'm not saying that you allow your child to gripe and complain, but you do want to hear specific concerns that your child is struggling with. Then you can talk through changes that can be made in places that just require trust in the Lord and patience in his wise providence. This may be an expression of loneliness from your child or self-pity that will need to be dealt with. And you need to pray with and for your child. This is a spiritual battle as well. Satan is having his way with your child. Third, you are probably dealing with an excessively fearful and anxious child. Go back and listen to my season one podcast on this topic. Just like in the case of the Israelites in the wilderness, much of our child's general whining is really an expression of fear and anxiety of the present or the future. They need to learn to express their anxiety more concretely and then grow in faith and love for God who provides for them. Finally, this global complaint cries out for relationship. Your child needs your love, attention, affection, as well as your instruction and discipline. This is a hurting heart. Yes, it's self-pity. Yes, it's self-focus. Yes, there's a lot of pride in there as well. But don't forget to see the suffering and pain and show compassion. 
You're not going to talk your child out of this big complaint and pity party. What you will do is love them through it as you talk about the ramifications of this heart attitude on their future. And you'll keep pointing them to the God who loves them and is at work in their lives whether they realize it or not. The pursuit of joy is a spiritual one based in the fear of God and not in the service of self. Walk with your child in this journey. So hopefully I've demonstrated that it is essential to address whining and complaining every time, in every stage of life, and in every form. We don't want our children, who hopefully will carry the name of Christ, to be lost in the whining and complaining that so characterizes the world today. Stand firm. Have the heart-to-heart conversations. Don't just settle for mere behavior change. Use these annoying habits of whining and complaining to see real change by the work of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney. This weekly podcast is supported by Biblical Counseling and Training Ministries, which you can learn more about at bctministries.com. If you have found yourself encouraged or challenged today, please share this podcast with your church, family, and friends. Rate us on iTunes and your social media outlets. It really helps. Until next time, may you enjoy the riches of God's compassionate grace and mercy in your life.